0: This episode is brought to you by Snapple. Want to know another Snapple fact? The first hot air balloon passengers were a sheep, a duck, and a rooster. Ridiculous. Check out Snapple.com to find ridiculously flavored Snapple near you. Welcome to Trashy Divorces. My name is Stacey. Hey friends, I'm Alicia.
1: Thanks so much for joining us today for your weekly dose of trash candy,
0: Sunday style. <laughs> Alicia, what do you have for us this week?
1: Oh gosh, I'm kicking off a whole week of Grimaldi magic. Princess Stephanie was so much fun Mm -hmm. a few weeks ago that today we're going to get into the trashy divorces of her sister, Princess Caroline. Of Monaco. Of Monaco slash Hanover. Well, yeah. And this week you're bringing
0: us... Oh, visionary guy of the future, bad at marriages, Elon Musk. (laughs) Everyone's favorite (laughs) multi-billionaire? I don't know. There's so many to choose from. Yeah. Before we get started
1: with our story today, let's take out our magic mirror and give some huge love and thanks to our new Patreon folks who joined us at patreon.com slash Trashy Divorces this past week.
0: Sure. Thank you so much to Katie B, Jody J, Teresa D, Mary KS, and Michelle WP. Summer L, Amanda
1: L, Kit H, Jen B. Thank you all so much for your support. I think that's it. So what should we do now, Alicia? We should take our fast car and go, go, go.
0: So Alicia, is it true that you are not done with the hot dice of Monte Carlo? No, I'm not. I'm still, I'm still tumbling dice. Well, let's shake it instead of stirring it and hear what you got.
1: Well, you know, I'm a believer in birth order as it (laughs) applies and... I felt bad that Princess Caroline, Princess Stephanie's older and big sister, was maybe sitting about the palace thinking, wow, it's always my baby sister people focus on. So I wanted to tie a few things together this week. It is time to go to Monaco. Princess Stephanie was so much fun. And it is the first week of the month, which means a whole new series for our Tuesdays on Patreon. And this month, we are spending May in Monaco. Okay. And the French Riviera. Surrounding in Viardins. Somerset Mom will call Monaco a sunny place for shady people. And we're going to find out if that's true. So, kind of a theme this week. In Trashy Royals this week, we are going to cover the Grimaldis and Monaco and the Grimaldi curse and a little bit about the country. That episode will be going to all levels of our Trashy Divorces Patreon Monday, early ad free. That episode will be going out on this main feed that you're listening to this right now on, on Wednesday for you. And Tuesday, which kicks off our May in Monaco, we're going to pick up the thread with middle brother, Prince Albert. It's Grimaldi week here at Trashy Divorces.
0: Okay. I will always hear in a can when someone says (laughs) Prince
1: Albert. Let us commence. Princess Caroline is the eldest child of Prince Renier III and Princess Grace. The former Grace Kelly. Mm -hmm. Grace Kelly. Princess Caroline was born January 23rd, 1957. She is the very last day of the cusp of mystery, that Capricorn Aquarius cusp. At the time of Caroline's birth, she was heiress presumptive until her younger brother, Albert, was born.
0: So there's it's gendered, like he gets preference because
1: he's a boy. Wonderful. Well, she was once again heiress presumptive after her father's death in 2005, until her brother Albert had a legitimate child. It's tricky. You're good. It's a ride.
0: Who's running Monaco? <laughs>
1: Prince Albert <laughs> and his wife Princess Charlene had twins in 2014, at which time Albert's son became. The heir presumptive. Okay. Princess Caroline's parents, Prince Renier and Princess Grace, do emphasize service to others and country and education and sports. She's raised at the Palace in Monaco, but goes to school at St. Mary's Ascot in Berkshire, England, and spends time in the United States of America with the Kelly family, her mother's relatives. In her recent book, Caroline describes a distant relationship with her mother and said that she and her brother Albert were not allowed to sit down and eat with their parents until they were teenagers.
0: <laughs> wow. Royal families are
1: weird. Totally different thing. Uh, Caroline says she and Albert were much closer to their nanny than they were mm-hmm. to their parents.
0: Yeah, that sounds like a very British until Diana hit the scene kind of setup. Yeah. Caroline will graduate from the Sorbonne University.
1: She speaks fluent French, English, Spanish, German, and Italian. I mean, that's what she
0: says.
1: (laughs) Sadly, her mother, Grace Kelly, will die in a tragic car accident when Caroline is 25. So after her mother's death, Caroline is going to take on many of the formal royal duties that were previously carried out by her mother. Her father relies heavily on Princess Caroline after Grace Kelly's death to where Princess Caroline really does become the de facto first lady of Monaco. Throughout her teenage years and adult life, Caroline has been considered to be a fashion icon, one of the best dressed women in the world. She has been a frequent figure in the celebrity and gossip magazines, but also a constant figure in the philanthropic, humanitarian, and international relations circles as a representative of her family and of Monaco. Princess Stephanie learned it by watching someone. We'll just put it that way. (laughs) Gotcha. So over the years, Caroline has had many love affairs and marriages. She's been married three times and has been romantically linked with several high profile and connected people. So in her late teens, early 20s, Caroline has a lot of boyfriends. French singer, Philippe Lévy, Argentine tennis star, Guillermo Vilas, the younger brother of the Duchess of Cornwall. Camilla, her younger brother, Mark Shand.
0: Wow, that that would have been spectacular. <laughs>
1: <laughs> the son of former president of France. She dated Henri Giscard d'Estaing. I am trying to do my best. She'll also date Jonathan Guinness, the son of Jonathan Guinness, mm-hmm. the third Baron Moyne. Beer
0: guy. Yeah,
1: so Princess Caroline was also briefly engaged to Roberto Rossellini Jr., The son of Ingrid and Roberto. I was going to say. All right. Little TD alum there. Yeah. Well, this happened at the end of her first marriage in 1980. But they break up. Roberto Rossellini Jr. and Caroline break up in 1981. So three times down the aisle, the first will end in divorce a year and a half in. It's trashy. The second will end with a tragic death. The third has not officially ended yet, but we are on countdown trashy divorces for that. Let's talk about the first marriage to Philippe Junot. Philippe is a Parisian banker, property developer, venture capitalist. He's born April 19th, 1940. He's 17 years older than Caroline. That's a bit of a difference. His father, Michael, was the deputy mayor of Paris. Comes from, you know, a good family name. His family name is on the Arc de Triomphe in Paris because one of his ancestors led Napoleon's troops into Portugal. So there is a war with Portugal in here. (laughs) Caroline will meet Philippe when she is at the Sorbonne. And he kind of has a reputation as a playboy, a ladies' man. It's not unknown for him just to drop trowel. In the middle of bars, France, come on, pour champagne on his head, or she loves it. They are, they scandalize, they're really public in their dating. So there's this one instance where they are sunbathing on the yacht and she's topless and he is sucking some parts. And this makes international press like Princess Stephanie learned it from somewhere naturally. Her parents strongly disapprove of this relationship definitely the marriage but they're eventually going to relent grace kelly is reported to have said to renier well perhaps it is for the better this way she can have a happy second marriage
0: Hmm.
1: which was a little bit more prophetic actually yeah so philippe and caroline married june 29th 1978 600 guests Lots of movie star friends of Mama's, Frank Sinatra, Gregory Peck, Cary Grant, Ava Gardner. It's a TD alum mm-hmm. rich. Mm-hmm. Problems begin pretty much immediately, like on their honeymoon, because Philippe has made arrangements with photographers to take pictures of he and Caroline, but he hasn't cleared that with Caroline first. Did he miss the princess part? Probably. Philippe will also add additional destinations to the honeymoon trip, as well as extravagant excursions beyond the additional destinations, so they don't return to Paris for five months.
0: See, I have friends who plan trips like this, and I just can't. Five months
1: later, they get to Paris, and in a matter of weeks, they've moved into a posh penthouse in Paris, but Philippe will begin... A string of extramarital affairs, well publicized. He's Um, making no attempt to hide his
0: infidelity. I'm certainly surprised to hear that it went that (laughs) way.
1: So he's photographed at nightclubs and parties and beaches with his various and assorted lovers. Hmm. Becomes obvious pretty quickly that Caroline's efforts over the last, you know, year and a half to save the marriage had not paid off when Philippe is photographed dancing with Countess Agneta von Furstenberg at Studio 54 in New York City. Now, this is a problem, but the bigger problem is when the pictures are published in the paper, Caroline is a little shocked because she thinks her husband is in Montreal on
0: business. (coughs) I mean, they're very close, really. Just a quick Mm -hmm. flight. Caroline is going to kick him out of the Paris
1: apartment and will issue a statement saying the marriage is over and she would be filing for divorce. Mom and dad, never having liked the guy, do nothing to stop Caroline from divorcing him, even though it is going to cause a lot of issues for them as Catholics, right? Divorce not approved. You've been married less than a year and a half. But Grace Kelly is going to tell Caroline, you must divorce, Juno, you know, or your life will be destroyed. So October 1980, year and a half, in and out. I mean...
0: Trashy divorce number one, done. I'm just thinking that all the wedding guests were like, but still, trip to Monaco. That's cool. (laughs) Sunny
1: place, shady people. So shortly after the divorce, Caroline begins dating frequently and is criticized in the media by the conservative Catholic country for not taking her religion or her figure as a role model seriously and how irreverently you treat the bonds of marriage. And then everything changes when princess grace dies in 1982 and nobody's talking about Caroline anymore. The focus very much shifts off of that. Prince Renier is quoted as saying, after grace's death, a miracle happened. Caroline stepped into her mother's shoes. She has the same spirit as her mother, The way she is handling jobs that I have given her is a source of great satisfaction to me. So Princess Caroline, stepping in, helping out, but it does not take her long to fall in love again. Within a year after her mother's death, Caroline will marry 27-year-old Stefano Casaraghi. Caroline has frequently referred to Stefano as the love of her life. He is an Italian speedboat racer and businessman. He's intelligent and shy and son of a wealthy Italian industrialist. They meet, they fall in love. Her life revolves around him. Second time is the charm here. But Caroline had not received a papal annulment for her first marriage. So the couple cannot get married in the church. They do instead marry in a civil ceremony not recognized by the church. The ceremony takes place in the Hall of Mirrors in the palace, December 29th, 1983. At the time that their wedding takes place, Caroline is four months pregnant.
0: I just feel like there was so much the church could have picked and chosen from here to- <laughs> their first child, a son,
1: Andrea, born June eighth nineteen eighty four He's followed by a daughter, Charlotte, in nineteen eighty six and another son Pierre, in nineteen eighty seven So the next several years are really happy. yeah, this sounds happy, for Caroline. She spends time with her family. Or carrying out official duties with her dad. And all of it comes to an end October the 3rd, 1990, when Stefano was killed in a speedboat accident off the coast of Monaco. He's 30 years old.
0: Oh, my God.
1: It was supposed to be his last final race. Oh, my God. Before he retires from competitive speedboat racing. It's tragic. Caroline devastated Mm -hmm. by the death of her husband. And many people feel like she never fully recovered from How? that tragedy i you can't
0: Yeah, miss. especially i mean her mother had died 5 years before is that right? No, no, no. More than that. But i Christ mean her- was in
1: 1982 so 8 8 years
0: later. Yeah, th- mm-hmm. this is that's a lot to lot to lose. In addition
1: to her deep sorrow and grief over the loss of Stefano. Caroline's pretty shocked and embarrassed to learn that he was also deeply in debt and had a mistress throughout their entire marriage.
0: He was a speedboat racer lady.
1: In an outward display of inner grief and turmoil for girls everywhere, Princess Caroline, like so many of her sisterhood before her, cut off her previously long and luxurious hair, stopped wearing makeup, takes no interest in clothing or overall appearance. This is a stark difference to her previously... Living the life of fashion icon but she cuts her hair so this one really affects her oh very much mm-hmm. she cannot bring herself to return to royal duties or obligations for more than a year she is in deep deep mourning finally in december of 1991 so like a year and two months later she's photographed for the first time with her father and siblings at a benefit in honor of her mother at the louvre she's dressed in a gown Seemed to handle greeting and mingling with the guest well. A lot of people were like, oh, she's back to her old self. But after this event, she'll go back into seclusion. With a lot of rumors being spread that her husband was murdered. So there is a police investigation where ultimately they conclude that Stefano's death is a tragic accident and not a plotted murder. But the details and the attention of the investigation Take a toll on Caroline and her kids. Things improve a little in February of 1992 when the Vatican finally will grant Caroline an annulment from that first marriage. Philippe has had Caroline on the hook since 1980. He drags it on 10 plus years, just refusing to give her an annulment. So, what this does by February 1993, Pope John Paul II will legitimize her children, putting she and Stefano's children, putting them in the direct line of succession. And this is important because at this time, she is the heir apparent, her brother Prince Albert still unmarried without legitimate offspring. So if that remained true and nothing changed, Caroline's children would end up being the future monarchs. So there was a bit of a shady thing about getting the annulment, and then another step that had to be gone through to make her kids legitimate from that marriage.
0: Have they thought about becoming Anglicans? Because just <laughs> like a little, I feel like there's a little more wiggle room. We have one more marriage
1: to get through. Okay. This guy's terrible. It would be nice to say that the third time is the charm, but this has not been true for our dear princess, hubby number three. Is Prince Ernst August of Hanover, Prince Ernst is a direct descendant of Queen Victoria of England? He's technically the head of the House of Hanover, but the Kingdom of Hanover lost its throne in eighteen sixty I was going to say uh, so
0: German principalities allegedly <laughs> Prince Ernst had been married once before he has two sons. Prince Ernst. Princess Caroline. I'm pretty sure I knew somebody in Tennessee who was named Prince Ernst back in the days. Mary in Monaco in January 1999.
1: Caroline is pregnant with their child at the time of the wedding. Their daughter, Princess Alexandra of Hanover, born in 1999, July. Prince Ernst has a terrible temper. And it has been demonstrated publicly several times. He will break a photographer's nose in the late 90s. He was charged in
0: 2004 with assault after he got into a fight at a nightclub. So Monaco's answer to Sean Penn is what I'm hearing. Sean Penn, Johnny Depp? Like
1: early, yeah. yeah, Early
0: Sean Penn, early Johnny Depp. Okay,
1: so Prince Ernst, not known for his manners either. He apparently upsets Queen Elizabeth II by kissing her. ...on the mouth oh at my a royal function.
0: Ernst. I don't think those are the rules. That is not protocol. I think you owe her a brooch now. A jewel of some
1: sort. Uh, he's also photographed Ernst is publicly urinating on the what? Turkish pavilion at the Expo 2000 in Hanover. Sure. Well, this sort of causes a diplomatic incident... When the Turkish embassy accuses him of insulting the entire Turkish people. Reasonable. I I don't know who pees on things. We probably have some TD alums who are known for their urination habits, but Ernst is also photographed urinating Wow! outside of an Austrian hospital. It's tacky, but it doesn't create any international conflicts
0: right. as of yet. Except now the Monégasque secret security refers to him as IP freely. It's his new code name. <laughs> I mean, how many times you have to be photographed like doing public urination before you stop? Well, I think
1: that it has more to do with a serious misuse of alcohol.
0: Yeah. I, I'm pretty sure it's not a matter of, like, the Starbucks was closed. <laughs> no.
1: <laughs> in about bout of more serious consequences, Ernst will fall into a coma from alcohol. Yikes. Induced by acute pancreatitis the day before his father-in-law, Prince Renier's death in 2005. Wow. He has been hospitalized again and since in 2011. 2017 and 2018 for what he calls his quote hyperactive lifestyle and problems with alcohol unquote in 2010 Princess Caroline had to take the witness stand to defend her husband against charges of causing serious bodily harm during an incident in Kenya Mm. While Prince Ernst didn't deny assaulting the victim, he wanted the charges to be reduced because he claimed to only slap and hit the victim. Witnesses have said that the prince was wearing a knuckle buster, which are metal rings, which caused grievous bodily harm. Oh, like brass knuckles.
0: Yeah, okay. Yeah. Princess Caroline will
1: testify that this was not true, saying her husband never wears rings, not even his wedding ring. The couple does start living separate lives around this time. Princess Caroline and her children return to live in Monaco. In December 2010, the Daily Mail will publish an article titled Princess Caroline's husband, Prince Ernst, steps out with a 22-year-old ex-dancer who models for brothels. It's quite a headline. Quite a headline, indeed. Also in 2010... The prince is photographed having a romantic time on a beach in Thailand. Mm -mm. There's a four-page spread in Paris Match magazine Mm. titled Amorous Escapade in Thailand. In 2017, Prince Ernst, stand-up guy that he is, refuses to attend the wedding of his oldest son due to a financial dispute. Caroline and her four children will attend that wedding without Prince Ernst. So, what's happening in the time of COVID in July of 2020? <laughs> prince Ernst is taken to a psychiatric hospital wow. after attacking a police officer with a knife. Wow. Who was responding to the prince's call for immediate help. A very unprincely like prince. Prince Ernst, a gust of Hanover. As of April 2021, Princess Caroline and Prince Ernst are still legally married, but it has been years since they were seen or photographed together. So I'm going to preemptively cover this trashy divorce. Princess Caroline, she had a trashy first one, a lovely second one, a trashy third one. Maybe even numbers are her thing in relationships. Maybe, And the fourth will be the charm. I'm giving all of this at least a yacht full of trash cans for the bad ones. Much love and sympathy for the passing of your beloved spouse. Mm -hmm. The Princess Caroline story, highs and lows. Yachts and topless adventures. Some moments of real true grace as well. Those are the trashy divorces of Princess Caroline. What a
0: story. Didn't want her to be upset. Sure. The trash cans of the Monegasque. That's it. Let's take a break to okay. hear
1: from our amazing sponsors, and be back with a little bit of a shadier person we're, this
0: week. We're going, we're going to Mars. Good lord! <laughs> Catch you on the flip. If there's ever been a year to make the moms in your life feel loved and appreciated on Mother's Day, it's this
1: one. It has been a tough year or two, I haven't seen my mom as much. I know she's missing her kids and her grandkids, too, just as much as we're missing her. That is why I am honoring her this year with a heartfelt, sentimental Mother's Day gift that we can all enjoy together. StoryWorth.
0: StoryWorth is an online service that helps your mom, grandmother, mother-in-law, or any mother figure in your life share stories through thought-provoking questions about their lives. It's a fun new way to engage with them, especially if you can't be together in person as much as you'd like. Every week, StoryWorth will email your mom or loved one a different story
1: prompt, questions you've never thought to ask, like, What are some of the best advice your mother
0: ever gave you or what things do you think you can't live without? After one year, StoryWorth will compile all your mom's stories, including photographs, into a beautiful keepsake book that ships for free.
1: StoryWorth has helped so many families get to know each other in profound and special ways. I am thrilled about my mom's gift this year and knowing that my brother and sister and all the grandkids will have a beautiful book of her recollections, photos, and memories for all time is priceless. StoryWorth is a gift that keeps on giving through the years, and I feel like I'm definitely going to win Mother's Day this year in the sibling competition.
0: So give your mom the most meaningful gift this Mother's Day with StoryWorth. Get started right away with no shipping required by going to StoryWorth.com slash Trashy. You'll get $10 off your first purchase. That's StoryWorth.com slash Trashy for
1: $10 off. Believe it or not, this is 2021 and the second verse does not have to be the same as the first. If you would like to get some help changing your tune, the ladies of the Oak Tree Group are ready and willing to help you.
0: They believe in empowerment through knowledge. The Oak Tree Group is offering each of our listeners a free one-hour consultation on your financial concerns. It is your money, so there are no bad questions. Start the year off right and get your finances singing. Contact the women of the Oak Tree Group for
1: assistance. Yep, That is right. All of the holistic planners at the Oak Tree Group are female. Check out their website, www.theoaktreegroup.net,
0: for contact details and more information on their services. Don't worry. The musical references in this ad are just for fun and not a requirement of the services offered. Again, their website is www.theoaktreegroup.net.
1: So Stacy, you're gonna take us to new and undiscovered
0: realms of trash candy this week. Yeah, we're gonna fly up to the moon and then just keep on going. (laughs) To Mars. I don't know. Friends gazillionaire Elon Musk is he's a lot of things. He's an entrepreneur who saw the potential of the internet to transform the way we all live. He's a car maker who wants to end the automobile fossil fuel relationship. He's a visionary who may succeed in putting humans on Mars, which is kind of a huge deal. And he's definitely a guy who thinks pretty highly of himself. I will admit that I once dreamed of lining my roof with solar panels and running my home with a Tesla whole house battery, but Elon Musk's antics have really soured me on his brands. Still, he's a man with a legion of fans and even, I will admit, a good likelihood of architecting the future, whether I like it or not. He's also, and you may be surprised to learn, that an engineer-slash-designer-billionaire who spends his days working on, among a lot of other things, implantable brain-computer interfaces, sometimes has trouble connecting with other humans. (laughs) Even though even he admits that fundamentally that connection is the thing he wants most in life. In a surprisingly revealing 2017 Rolling Stone profile, Elon told writer Neil Strauss that Trashy Divorce's alum Amber Heard had just dumped him, leading Strauss to pen the following passage. This is real. What I'm about to read to you is real. This appears to have really happened. Strauss writes. Musk discusses the breakup for a few more minutes, then asks, earnestly, deadpan, is there anybody you think I should date? It's so hard for me to even meet people. Oh my god. He swallows and clarifies, stammering softly. I'm looking for a long-term relationship. I'm not looking for a one-night stand. I'm looking for a serious companion or soulmate. Oh my god, no. That kind of thing. I eventually tell him that it may not be a good idea to jump right into another (laughs) relationship. I love Neil Strauss.
1: He's so good. I love his writing. He may
0: want to take some time to himself and figure out why his previous relationships haven't worked in the long run. His marriage to writer Justine Musk, his marriage to actress Tallulah Riley, and this new breakup with actress Amber Heard.
1: No, he's been married twice. The thing that fascinates me about Elon Musk, he was married to the same person twice,
0: right? He's one of our two-timers. Tallulah Riley. Yeah. Yeah. Could go a third time. I talk about that. Okay, anyway. Oh, good Lord. Musk shakes his head. This is still Neil Strauss. Musk shakes his head and grimaces. If I'm not in love, if I'm not with a long-term companion, I cannot be happy. Oh, God. I explain that needing someone so badly that you feel like nothing without them is textbook codependence. Musk disagrees strongly. It's not true, he replies petulantly. I will never be happy without having someone. Going to sleep alone kills me. He hesitates, shakes his head, falters, continues. It's not like I don't know what that feels like. Being in a big empty house and the footsteps echoing through the hallway. No one there and no one on the pillow next to you. Fuck. How do you make yourself happy in a situation like that? Oh my God. If that's not a perfectly packaged verbal Mm -hmm. red flag.
1: That is amazing. And this is what Neil Strauss can do (laughs) for y'all who are like, how do I know that name? How do I know that name? Neil Strauss, besides being an amazing and prolific writer, is also the genius behind the To Live and Die in LA podcast. Oh, interesting. Okay. Which I really, really enjoy. It's one of my favorite go-tos.
0: We'll link to this Rolling Stone article in Perfect. our show notes. I love his um, writing. He's so good. No, that's such a that's such like a perfectly crafted field of verbal red flags. Oh, yeah. That he has just laid out there for everyone. Let's talk some musk. <laughs> Elon Reeve Musk was born June 28th, 1971. He's a cancer, which I believe you would say perhaps explains some of that emotiveness, in Pretoria, South Africa. His dad is South African, his mother is Canadian, and he and his two younger siblings were raised there in Pretoria. He was awkward and introverted as a child and the subject of extreme bullying, for instance, a group of boys at his school once threw him down a concrete stairwell and then beat him so badly that he had to be taken to the hospital. That's terrible. Kid stuff. Yeah, no, that's beyond. No, that's, 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 that's way that's beyond. Bull- I mean, ugh,
1: it's terrible.
0: Yeah, I guess he was kind of a late bloomer, so he was usually the smallest kid. He, uh, his birthday is right at the cutoff date, mm, so he was yeah. the youngest kid, the smallest kid. Yeah. At home, things were not a lot better. His parents divorced when he was eight or so, and feeling sorry for his father... He, alone among the three siblings, opted to live with dad, a choice he would regret later. When he was 10, he got a Commodore VIC-20 computer and taught himself programming from a book.
1: And no one saw Elon Musk again.
0: (laughs) He wrote a video game in in basic, like that old computer language, and sold it for 500 bucks when he was 12. So that would have been more than enough encouragement for me to keep keep on coding. For sure. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So he says that he was raised by books more than he was raised by his parents. He was really into sci-fi, especially Asimov's Foundation series. So you can kind of see how this dude ended up being an adult who worries about the extinction of mankind and has some potentially harebrained schemes to head that off one way or another. So helpfully for this mythos, he also had a readily available villain as part of his origin story in The Person of His Father. He told Rolling Stone, he was such a terrible human being. You have no idea. My dad will have a carefully thought out plan of evil. He will plan evil. Keep in mind, Elon Musk was in his 40s when this interview happened. This sounds very much like something a 19-year-old would say, a 25-year-old maybe.
1: Now, while I can sympathize with it sounds like what is clearly a very traumatic childhood, (laughs) you have a gazillion dollars talk to your counselor at any time apparently
0: he moved his dad and his dad's other family to malibu as an adult like they just they just don't get along anyway in the interview he ends up openly crying oh god telling stress you have no idea how bad almost every crime you can possibly think of he's done Almost every evil thing you could possibly think of, he has done. Please
1: tell all of your dirty secrets to a Rolling Stones reporter. Well, this is the
0: thing. So, Rolling Stone (laughs) contacts his dad by email and is like, Hey, so your son says you're fully evil plans and committing crimes and stuff, so what's up? (laughs) (laughs) And he's like, look, I love all my kids. Obviously, we don't have a great relationship. Whatever, right? Like, I'm paraphrasing here. He also says... I'm the kind of guy my own mother told me that I am ruthless and I need to learn to be more humane. Oh, Lord. But he clarifies that he is not a criminal and he is not a violent person, except that one time when five or six armed intruders broke into his home and he shot and killed three of them. Excuse me? But that was ruled self-defense. What? What? Anyway... Elon Musk, with definitely no daddy issues, eventually gets himself to Canada.
1: (laughs) Good Lord. And while
0: he's attending Queen's University in Ontario, he met Justine Wilson, September 2, 1972, a Virgo, a fellow student and aspiring novelist a year younger than him. He would transfer to Wharton at UPenn, I think after two years there, anyway. Uh, But he kept sending her flowers. They would go their separate ways for a time. She headed to Japan to teach English for a year. And he headed to California, where the money-colored hue of Silicon Valley was there to tempt big dreamers. When she arrives back in North America, later in the 90s, she begins visiting him in Mountain View, where he is shacked up with three roommates building his first dot-com. I'm sure the three of them were all building their... I mean, I've seen Silicon Valley.
1: (laughs) I've seen Big Bang Theory. There
0: you go. They married in January 2000, after he had sold that first company called Zip2 and pocketed $20 million overnight. What? At their wedding reception, Justine says that as they danced, Elon told her, I am the alpha in this relationship. <laughs> Excuse me? Which I think was probably said slyly in which she likely laughed off, but... In a 2010 piece she wrote for Marie Claire called I Was a Starter Wife. Oh, baby. Just- Justine Musk says that his upbringing in a highly macho South Africa and his natural competitiveness, as well as their astoundingly unequal financial position, meant that it was Elon's world. She was just living in it. Yikes. She says that he would belittle her, and when she would remind him that she was his wife, not his employee, he would tell her, if you were my employee, I'd fire you. Shit, no. I imagine that was funny the first time. Moving on. 2002 <laughs> was a year of high highs and tragic lows for the couple. This is actually really sad. The same week that eBay bought PayPal from Elon, which netted him more than $100 million, their baby son, 10 weeks old, went down for a nap and stopped breathing.
1: Oh, no. Apparently, Suddenly death?
0: Yeah, 10 weeks is... terrible. So, yeah, paramedics were called... They tried to resuscitate him. He was on life support for three days, but he had been without oxygen for too long. So apparently, like according to Justine, Elon wanted to stiff up her lip the death of his baby and was horrified that his wife was openly grieving this loss and told her that she was being emotionally manipulative. She eventually found her way into therapy. God, thank
1: you. Uh-huh. Thank you. But
0: not before she found her way into an IVF clinic. By 2007, Justine had given birth to a pair of twins and a set of triplets and had also sold three novels. She's a very busy woman, so five babies. Five kids, three books? Mm-hmm. Here's how she described the growing hollowness in their marriage in Marie Claire. We were breathing rarefied air. The first crowded apartment we'd shared in Mountain View seemed like ancient history from mm. our 6,000-square-foot house in the Bel Air Hills. Yeah. Married for seven years, we had a domestic staff of five. During the day, our home transformed into a workplace. We went to black-tie fundraisers and got the best tables at elite Hollywood nightclubs with Paris Hilton and Leonardo DiCaprio partying next to us. When Google founder Larry Page got married on Richard Branson's private Caribbean island, we were there, hanging out in a villa with John Cusack and watching Bono pose with swarms of adoring women outside the reception tent. Oh my. When we traveled, we drove onto the airfield up to Elon's private jet, where a private flight attendant handed us champagne. That is some rarefied air. It was a dream lifestyle, privileged and surreal, but the whirlwind of glitter couldn't disguise a growing void at its core. Elon was obsessed with his work. When he was home, his mind was elsewhere. I longed for deep and heartfelt conversations, for intimacy and empathy. And while I sacrificed a normal family life for his career, Elon started to say that I read too much, shrugging off my book deadlines. I barely recognized myself. I had turned into a trophy wife and sucked at it. I wasn't detail-oriented enough to maintain a perfect house or be a perfect hostess. I could no longer hide my boredom when the men talked and the women smiled and listened. I wasn't interested in Botox or makeup or reducing the appearance of the scars from my C-sections. And no matter how many highlights I got, Elon pushed me to be blonder. Go platinum, he kept saying, and I kept refusing. So that's the end of the quote. Eventually, she worked up the courage to tell him that she needed for things to change. She did not want to be just a spectator to his illustrious extravagance. She wanted a husband. She wanted a partner. She wanted a family. Good for her. So he agreed to try counseling. But again, he's got that stunted engineering mind. And after three sessions, he said to his wife of eight years, either we fix this marriage today or I will divorce you tomorrow. Oh. He filed for divorce. The next day? The next day. This is her account. Again, I don't know if he has ever said differently. Even more fun, six weeks later, he texted Justine to let her know he was engaged to a young British actress named Talula Riley. Back to Neil Strauss <sighs> in Rolling Stone describing this sequence of events. He and Talula Riley, they met in 2008 and Musk proposed after 10 days together. Sure. They married in 2010, then divorced two years later, then remarried the following year, then filed for divorce again, then withdrew the filing, then refiled the divorce, and finally followed through with it. So Justine had been a year younger than Elon, but Tallulah Jane Riley, 26 September 1985, Libra, is a good 14 years younger, and perhaps because of their age difference and his wealth, was malleable in a way that Justine no longer had been. In particular, there's a Business Insider piece from 2018. Speaking of great headlines, headlined, SpaceX employees used to monitor Tallulah Riley's hair color to determine if Elon Musk would be in a good mood. That is not true. That is the headline. The article expands on that a bit, and essentially, I mean, this is absolutely what this is what you and I would do if we worked for someone like Elon Musk. Um, we would not work for anyone like Elon. I'm Musk, just saying. Babe. So the story, the story says that employees like, followed news stories about Elon Musk in the press because he's he's a, he's a a tough boss. He's moody. And so, yeah, the wife's hair color was one indicator of the likelihood that they could pitch him an idea they cared about or that they could break some bad news to him. The blonder the better is basically the gist of the story. Which field full of red flags would you like to
1: survey today? Let's hop onto Twitter for a second, shall we? Oh,
0: because we definitely need to tweet about it. In 2012, (laughs) Elon tweeted, It was an amazing four years. I will love you forever. You will make someone very happy one day. Oh, fuck off, dude! To Tallulah. After their second- Just on our Twitter? Just Just, at? Just on, just at. at. At my wife. (laughs) But this is, this is- their first divorce, after their second divorce in 2016, oh, God. she explained that she and Elon are best friends. They see each other all the time. And for that 2017 Rolling Stone profile, a year after they divorced, and after he'd already split up with, or actually a year, whatever, a while after they divorced, and after the Amber Heard thing, she was at his house when Neil Strauss, you know, like Neil Strauss visited him at work, sure. and it, whatever, at his home. Right. And yeah, she was hanging out with him because... Amber Heard had dumped him.
1: (laughs) Well, he needed some support. Yes. Some red flags
0: had gotten knocked down. (laughs) Yeah. Had to have somebody help him stand him back up. He needed a woman to sew his red flags back together after that other woman tore them up. She has teased in the press Tallulah Riley has that she would be open to marrying him again. No. So. I, you don't, trashy tip number one. Don't put your
1: (laughs) bullshit on social media. I mean, don't break up with anyone
0: over any type of social media platform. It is bad form. Yeah. It's bad form. TMZ had it that in this 2016 divorce, which so far is their last one, that he agreed to pay her $16 million, Well, when he had filed in 2014, but because that petition had been withdrawn, TMZ notes it's possible that he had agreed to pay out even more. Again, though, it seems like he was happy enough with all of that. And his net worth at the time was just $11.5 billion, so probably he just had his household staff pull all the couch cushions off and collect all the bitcoins that had fallen out of his pocket or something. easy. Obviously. Obviously. Elon has not remarried since the second Tallulah Riley divorce, but he did pop up in the extremely bitter, ugly, horrible Johnny Depp-Amber Heard split. It is very clear, because he has claimed so in court, Johnny Depp believes that Elon and Amber were having an affair during their marriage. Kind of all through it. She and Elon both deny this. Last summer, 2020, as Johnny Depp sued the Sun newspaper in the UK for libel, text messages from Elon to Amber were read aloud in court. Including one from 2016, where Amber told him that Johnny had thrown his phone at her and hit her in the face. Nobody. Elon offered to provide her 24-7 security if she wanted it, adding, quote, The offer would stand even if you never wanted to see me again. Anyway, sorry for being an idiot. The radio silence hurts a lot. It only matters because I really like you. There was additional testimony from the concierge at the building where Amber and Johnny lived, noting that Elon was visiting her late at night while Johnny Depp was in Australia, starting in March 2015. Again, Elon and Amber have insisted publicly that the start date of their whatever was May of 2016, after Amber and Johnny split up. Sure. God knows. Was. Again, that thing was so, that just a, that was terrible. And, uh, I can't even hear what you're saying because yeah, of all the
1: red flags fair. in my face.
0: Flapping. The heart wants what the heart wants. And obviously, Elon and Amber did date into 2017. Start date, TBD, who cares? <laughs> Apparently, he'd been chasing her since 2012. This is how the Hollywood Reporter says they met. It's a quote. Oh, God. From a profile of Amber Heard, Heard is more forthcoming on the subject of Musk, who began pursuing the actress when she was with Depp on the 2012 set of Robert Rodriguez's Machete Kills, according to an email exchange between the Tesla founder and director Rodriguez that THR published in August 2016. This is what Elon Musk wrote to the director. Can you send her a note saying, I would like to get together for lunch in LA? I'm not angling for a date. I know she's in a long-term relationship, but dot, dot, dot. Would you like to meet me? Yes, no, check one. Amber just seems oh like an God. interesting person to meet. Here is my jewelry tray. I mean... Exactly. It's... Elon.
1: Awkward. Is this how it works? Turtle.
0: With the rich and powerful? Sometimes, just... yeah. I'm gonna have my assistant reach out to... The assistant of a... Anyway. Yes, sometimes that is exactly how it works. In 2018, he met Canadian musician Grimes, real name Claire Boucher. March 17, 1988, she's a Pisces. And they met on Twitter, as you do. And a month after, they appeared at the Met Gala together, as you do. On May 4, 2020, Grimes gave birth to a baby who was effectively given an unpronounceable model number by his parents, who call him X. As you do. Here's how page six says the first weeks of the new son's life went. But even by Elon Musk's standards, the past few weeks have been wild. He celebrated the birth of his son (laughs) with Singer Grimes on May 4th, then corrected her on Twitter when she explained the bizarre name and mistyped that A-12 is a precursor to SR-17. Quote, our favorite aircraft. Because that's a thing people have. (laughs) Elon responded, sr 71 but yes, prompting Grimes to reply, I am recovering from surgery. Here's the thing. Why do you want
1: your child never to have a birthday cake with his name on it ever in his entire life?
0: It's just, it's just an X. I Sure. Alicia, do you know where mansplainers get their water? From a
1: well, actually. <laughs> from I a know that. well,
0: actually. <laughs> I did know that one. <laughs> And that whole exchange, look, the SR 71 Blackbird is in fact a beautiful aircraft. It's just, I don't know. It's our favorite one. It's our
1: favorite one. Okay.
0: Elon Musk does not seem to be getting less weird as he approaches his 50th <laughs> no, birthday no, he this does summer. Not
1: seem to be getting less weird.
0: He's repeatedly mocked pronoun usage on Twitter and what many, including Grimes, have pushed back on as transphobic. Tesla is facing lawsuits from Black employees who describe it as, quote, a hotbed for racist behavior, as well as a place where really retrograde conduct around female colleagues is apparently tolerated. Honestly, this seems like such an assault on the brand itself that employee complaints like this would be a five-alarm fire in the mind of Elon Musk, but apparently not.
1: Just Have you heard about my dad? Really don't like him. He's a bad guy.
0: (laughs) I have pain... Uh, Elon was also a quasi-COVID-19 denier, turned chloroquine charlatan, who nice. offered to donate to hospitals a bunch of ventilators that he said Tesla would either build or buy. Apparently, what was delivered were CPAP and BiPAP machines. <laughs> not the same thing. Which, while not being entirely useless in the crisis, they were definitely not ventilators, which we definitely needed early on. Last- and he's
1: allegedly a genius? He's... Okay. Away. Oh,
0: wait. Oh, good. <laughs> Last December, while loudly waving his middle fingers westward, he YOLO'd right out of California and into Texas, and then was appalled, appalled, I tell you, when the power grid failed in February and Grimes feared for the safety of their new baby and freezing cold temperatures. Apparently, no one told him that Cancun is just a quick flight away. He's apparently building a giant battery for Texas in response to this. Why? <laughs> Because nothing says advanced planning like creating the world's largest single point of failure. I hear
1: everything's bigger in Texas.
0: Distributed grid, that's where resilience is. What the hell are... Anyway. He's building the world's largest battery to power Texas? 20,000 homes. Okay. Which is not all of Texas, it turns out. What could go wrong? Look, I'm not going to (laughs) pretend that I have thoroughly covered Elon Musk because, oh my God, there's so much... But that for our purposes is Elon Musk, celebrity billionaire with daddy issues, futuristic visionary building corporate cultures straight out of the 50s, a fan of blondes and the letter x, a crypto enthusiast and allegedly manipulator, probably the person who will first land humans on Mars, which again, very big deal, kind of a big deal, and definitely the guy least likely to attend any future Johnny Depp film openings. Trash cans. 186.8 billion which was his utterly incomprehensible net worth as of a week or so ago. Wow. Elon Musk, what's the hell of a story. Some boys never do need to grow up. Apparently not if you have a gazillion dollars you don't have to. A gaz- 186.8 billion dollars. That I, is I can't even comprehend he that. He gets paid amount. in stock? And that's I think that's his social media stuff is largely about keeping stonks, keeping his stonks Mm -hmm. high.
1: Wow. That was pretty trashy. I mean, you've lived on the uh, upper waters, the lighter side of trash candy for the last few weeks. And you said last week, like, I'm going in. (laughs) You did it. You did it. Well done, Stacey. Well done.
0: Elon Musk.
1: That's another week of trashy divorces, (laughs) y'all. It's right. (laughs) Thanks, everybody, for tuning in and spending your time with us for yet another trash-filled week of delight. Don't forget, tune in Wednesday for Trashy Royals. We're going to be talking about the House of Grimaldi, the Curse, Prince Renier, a little Grace Kelly, some fun trash candy spinning there. we got a new series starting up on Tuesdays with May in Monaco. Spiderwebs is used. You can always check us out at
0: patreon.com slash trashydivorces. I think that's it for us. I think that
1: is it for us.
0: All right. Well, well we're awesome. We can't wait to
1: see you on Wednesday. Yeah. For a new episode of Trashy Royals. Absolutely. In the meantime. Clean hands.
0: Keep your hands washed. Oh, my gosh. And keep those hearts really trashy.
1: The trashiest. I mean, keep
0: them on Earth
1: and in a relative construct of time and space. The trashy.
0: I'd be super cautious about being like a first wave of um, immigrants to the new Mars city that Elon Musk builds because I just have a feeling that- Have you seen Doctor Who? Inequality is going to be like a very real thing. If you get tapped to go be a pipe fitter on the new Mars colony, think twice. That
1: is good advice. (laughs) Y'all, keep it trashy. Until we talk again, have a great week. Bye. Bye.